Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's up, Grump? We are finally in training camp season. Isn't it glorious? Today is New Year's Day of football season. It's the first padded training camp practice. This is football season. Finally. And nobody's hurt yet, so that's the most important thing. That is the best news. We'll start off with the good news today. No one is seriously hurt. Um, we're going to go through some training camp things that we've seen or read because we haven't seen anything with our own eyes yet. But we'll go through what we're hearing around the league and uh, what our take is on everything. Yeah, for some reason we're not considered accredited media, so we don't get the passes to go <laughs> to uh, practice. Uh, no. Well, I heard a story about some college kids that just put on some polos and snuck into the locker room with some fake little ID badges once. Yeah, we'll talk about that some other day. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Twitter at Just Giants Pod. Um, you can always email us at um, JustGiantsPodcast@gmail.com. But to listen to us, iTunes, you can find us there or on SoundCloud. iTunes is probably your better bet for commutes, unless you're really bored somewhere where you've got Wi-Fi. You can stream on SoundCloud. <laughs> Boy, if you're that bored. You better get you better get some hobbies. Yeah, everybody gets stranded at the auto body or something once in a while. <laughs> the auto body. Yeah. Nobody Sounds nobody like waits fun. for their brakes to get fixed. I don't know. I do. I never leave because then they take even longer. If you wait, they'll do your car first. Those of us who live in the city don't deal with such problems. So. Oh, get out of here with your nonsense. <laughs> they don't call them the grump for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, for real. Get out of here. All right, so training camp today is the first padded practice i do like that uh ben mcadoo does this this is not the first practice of training camp this is the third and he sort of warms up he has different practice lengths some practices i mean i know that in the in the cba there's only so many padded practices they can do but you know he doesn't go right at it right away he seems to ease everybody into it because i think he knows that players are overzealous they're ready to go and that's how they hurt themselves with you know, ACL things or soft tissue things. It also sounds like he's got different sets of practices based upon, you know, if you're a starter or as opposed to someone like Davis Webb who's never going to see the field anytime soon. So I think they call it either like developmental or opportunity uh, drills where it's just your opportunity to kind of get a couple reps in that you wouldn't normally with the, with the first or second team. So they're definitely using the most of their the time allotted to them. Yeah, um... I think that's something new he's doing this year. I don't think he did that last year, but um, regardless, I, I'm not going to say it's better or worse than the way Tom Coughlin ran training camp because, to be honest, I, I never paid that much attention to the way that Tom Coughlin ran it, but I, I certainly don't remember it being like eased into it. I know he wasn't very big into like the science push into um, – He was an old-school hard-ass. Yeah. I mean you know, he comes from a different era where – you know. I remember back in the '80s when uh, Ray Perkins was doing three days. Yeah, you know, can you imagine in this day and age having three day practices? You know, if this was down in Tampa, where it was 536 degrees out too. So, you know, it, there's definitely with it with with sports technology and sports nutrition and you know using the GPS, um, you know, to, to measure movement on the field and everything. It, this is a it's a whole different uh, universe than when Tom Coughlin grew up. So. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with Tom Coughlin's method other than I don't think it fits into this, the new CBA. I mean, you only have so many practices into, I don't know, it's almost like you're trying to force it. Where I like, I, I do like Ben McAdoo's method of easing into it. Well, let's be honest, too. This is not like how it was even 20 years ago where, 
you know, football is a full year uh, conditioning program for these guys. They may take a week or two off after the playoffs or after their season ends, and they're right back into off-field conditioning. So it's not like, you know, the 50s where these guys were, you know, moving ice or something, you know, uh, or, or just, you know, Truck drinking drivers all or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now they're trying to get back into shape. These guys are in shape. You know, now the time is being spent more on installing an offense, installing, you know, camaraderie in, in game plans and, and things. So it's a lot different than what training camp used to be. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the, with the way the C- CBA is set up, we, we can't really get a good look or any good uh, details on how the offense and defensive line are doing based on – you know, unpadded practices. There's not a whole lot that goes on there. Today, by the way, it was not a fully padded practice. It was just uppers or shells or whatever, um, where essentially they're wearing short, but they have the shoulder pads and helmets on. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you're really going to get a gauge for, and this is, again, with coaches' eyes even more than our observations, is when you get into these preseason games and you see these guys in full speed, you know, against live competition, um, for right now, everything you hear report, you know, you might hear of a, you know, a Beckham beat out uh, Jenkins on a, on a pass pattern stuff. Those are all nice things, but again, so many factors are not being in it. You know, there's no pass rush. There's none of this, the, none of that. So, this is really just drills, 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 conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. Um, you know, who looks good, who looks bad. Wait till we get to later in the month when we actually start playing games. Yeah, after the first preseason game, you're going to see a lot more in these practices to read into. Um, after guys prove themselves on the field in front of another team, they might get more or less reps depending on how they performed. That's something to read into when you have position battles. These first two yeah. weeks are pretty much just drills, just like you said. Yeah, it's silly to say, is Eric Flowers look better than he did last year? You know, Maybe you see his technique might be a little better, but... you know. Things like that, you can have to wait, you know, until we actually start playing games. Yeah. So we can, we can start on the uh, the injury news. Um, there isn't much to report, but there are a couple things. Uh, we have two guys who are on the the PUP list. They're physically unable to perform. Essentially, means they can't pass the physical, so they are still on the roster until they can. Uh, that would be J T. Thomas, um, obviously coming back from back to back. Uh, devastating knee injuries, which is pretty terrible. Um, I'd be interested to see what ha- what his fate is once he can pass the physical. The other guy is uh, Sean Drone, running back who was picked up from the San Francisco 49ers. He has an ankle, but I'm not really sure what the, the nature of that injury is or how long it seems he's going to be on the PUP list. We signed him before the draft, correct? It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty dubious of his roster spot to begin with, and this is not boding well for his potential to get a roster spot. So, Yeah, the the addition of Wayne Gallman really put something into it. I do think that there is – if they can contribute on special teams well, there's a chance that there's a fourth running back on this team. However, a lot of reports have been that that fourth running back spot might just be a fullback. Um, I know we took an undrafted free agent who I've heard only good things about named Shane Smith. In my opinion, it's going to come down to what they can do on special teams. And, you know, you know, a fullback can definitely contribute on special teams in, the, the, like, the kickoff situation with wedge blocking and, you know, things like that. You know, I was watching ESPN. Is it ESPN or ESPN2 or maybe it was even SEC Network was playing the top 20 college games of the year last year. And over the weekend, they got to number one, which was obviously the – the Bama Clemson game, the national championship game, and as, so I was watching Gallman quite a bit to see, you know, what he can do and can't do. And 
you know, he's pretty good. He looks like he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He he runs pretty high. Yeah, that was my concern. Vertical. That's something, something I noticed. I mean, obviously he was getting five, six yards a clip, which is pretty impressive against the Bama defense. But it was just something I definitely did notice that he does run pretty high. Yeah, he runs at all six feet. Um, the thing is about why that was able to work then is because it, I mean, maybe I'm hallucinating, but it seemed to me that the holes that were being opened for him were like. You know, you and I could run through there. Full trucks could drive through the holes. I mean, there's no need for him to even get low, even though you should. But it's going to be a whole different ball game. A playing the NFL and B playing behind this offensive line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those truck lanes will not be there. Trust yeah, me. no. <laughs> but you know, it's just something. Just you know, when you watch a game as it's happening, you don't really think about, oh, this running back might. I know you. Yeah, you'll I find might. this out. You'll notice this on this podcast as we go forward that you know. We look at college football games in two completely different pairs of eyes. You know, I'm looking at it obviously from a Florida Gator perspective and from an SEC perspective for wins and losses, who's better, who's not. Grump is all about prospects. This is a big the college football season is a big NFL combine for him, and he's watching guys for NFL potential and NFL talent. So, uh, just a little asterisk, you know, and we ever the conversation starts veering off towards college. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I noticed about Wayne Gallman is that he was never really in a ton of situations where I saw him running through crowded lanes, and I did notice that he did run very high. I took note the fact that he could catch the ball out of the backfield, um, but I didn't take any special note of that. But I've seen some clips from training camp where he was making some leaping catches out of the backfield. Um, a far cry from our Andre Williams days. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Mr. Stonehands out of the backfield. Yeah. So. All right. So, good things that we've heard. This became a little bit of a media thing only because they made such a big deal out of the OTAs. But first training camp practice, Beckham owned the show. And I saw the – there there's like a full minute and a half highlight reel of just Beckham from the first practice. He went out there and just tore up the field wide open. Uh, it was I think it was the first play of the team drills. I'm not sure who bit the dust, but uh, – he was he was running free in the in the defensive secondary and uh, fifty yards downfield caught a bomb and took it to the house. Well, um, I mean, the obvious thing with that is you know these drills are so slanted towards the offense, and we, I discussed that a little bit earlier. But the thing that's more important to me is all this talk and all this nonsense about contracts and you know bullshit like that that we'll be dealing with you know not today but you know in the months and years to come is not something that he's taking onto the field when he's practicing. You know, he could have sent a message to this team that, you know, I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to be happy about it. If he's competing at a super high level right out of the get-go in, in camp, that bodes to me that, you know, he's tabling that in his mind, you know, the, the contract, you know, discussions, and he's going out there and he's competing. So I like to see that. That that tells me more than just, will he beat Janoris Jenkins on a pass route or he put up a nice clip show. Yeah, you can tell that this guy doesn't care. He knows he deserves the money, but he doesn't care as much about that. He wants to be the best. That's his goal. Well, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, that uh, that performance in Green Bay was not good. You no. know, and that's something that it stuck with him all off season. And you know, do you a ignore it and go out partying all off season? B, do you let it get to your head and make you you know doubt your abilities? Or C, does it make you work harder in the off season? You know, again, he wasn't at the OTAs not because he was out partying. He was out with his his um, you know speed coach, 
You know, he was out, you know, doing his own drills, which he's probably doing more than he was probably allowed during the OTAs. So, oh, sure, you know, this yeah. is this is great that it's, you know, August 1st and he's making you know highlight catches, but it has to be applied and he has to when when it's crunch time and when it's a critical spot, he has to be able to produce. Yeah, absolutely. It's comforting to know that uh the best player in the team keeps getting better. We could sing Beckham's praises until, you know, he retires, I think. Um, but, I mean, I'd like to highlight some other people that have really shown up in camp. And one of the ones I'm super happy about is Eli Apple. And the reason why is because, you know, he was a guy that we – I mean, you and I you and I were there when – we were at MetLife Stadium at the draft party when Eli Apple was selected. And, uh, I mean – Hargraves is the big name that was on the board, but there were a couple other guys in there, and you you and I saw the crowd reaction to when Eli Apple was selected. Yeah, you know something? I was also at the Garden the night they announced the Knicks had Christos Porzingis, and everybody was booing and throwing shit on the on the uh, stage. Just because the crowd doesn't know who somebody is, does that mean it's a bad pick? No, so, it doesn't. But and, you know, yeah, I know there were other guys on the board. Like I personally wanted Hargrave because obviously I have a – you know, I've seen him play a lot more than any other cornerbacks out there. But all the reports I've been reading is the leap he's made this offseason is, you know, he's been fantastic so far. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, the, all the all the clips I've seen, he's much more confident. I mean, let, let's not forget that last year he did start and that we were all pretty excited about the fact that he was starting. We were all surprised that he was starting over Rogers Camardi, weren't we? And then when it started, it was like, oh, well, you know, they're probably – let, making sure that Rogers Camardi is healthy for the end of the season because you know he's the older guy and all that other stuff, and it never really became the case. I mean, he started the Rogers Camardi did start to rotate in a little bit more at the end of the year, but he I don't think he started at the end of the year. Eli Apple definitely either. held his own, but he was well, I mean, also benched. I think in the Eagles game that Eli Eagle Apple game. was benched in, right? Right. I think they all should have been benched after that game. Yeah. To be very honest, but you know. Um, if he makes half of the jump and improvement that Landon Collins did, you know. For, oh Christ! Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking about a, you know, a, a, a perfect mix in that secondary of young guys and veterans. So it could be a seamless transition, you know, shuffling guys in and out going forward. But having two cornerstones at one corner, and, and safety going forward is huge. Yeah. And in any case, the uh, the clips that I saw of Eli Apple were fantastic. I mean, he's running in there at perfect timing, breaking up passes. You know, he's not getting there too early. I'm not seeing a whole lot of the grabby hands that was his big issue. I mean, not just last year, but coming out of college. It was one of the things that was discussed ad nauseum about him. Um, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of it in training camp, which is well, I think, great news. I think, I think your first year, you're swimming in everything. You're swimming in the playbook. You're swimming in learning how to be in the NFL. And secondary and quarterback is a reaction position, too. Yeah. You know. Now that you kind of get your feet wet, you know what you're doing, and you know this is you know, second nature now is getting more and more, you can refine those skills. That's definitely true. I, I do like the idea that we have three solid cornerbacks back there. One who, while the slot may not be his favorite position, it may not be his most natural position, but he is very good at it, and that would be DRC. Um, you know, we, We've discussed in the past about how the cornerback depth is not really what we'd like. Um, you know, we have Michael Hunter, who impressed in the spring. He's sort of kind of disappearing a little bit uh, now that it's summer. We'll see in preseason games where it really matters, honestly. Um, you know, we we signed Valentino Blake, who I honestly have only seen bad clips of on special teams. And he's uh, been hurt, too, right? Who? 
Valentino Blake, wasn't he a candidate for the pup list? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so uh, the other thing is we, we didn't get totally into the injuries. Um, Dwayne Harris was left practice early as a precaution with a shoulder injury. You know, Snacks has been dealing with some lower body soreness also. So, yeah, there's a, there's a couple injury things. There's not a whole lot to worry about. Uh, Snacks is fine. I'm sure Dwayne Harris is fine. Um, there's a lot to be excited about. Again, you know, last year we were very lucky with the health thing. Our biggest blow is probably Darian Thompson, right? Um, you know, we were we were fortunate enough to have Andrew Adams come in and be pretty good right away. Um, and then I don't think we had a real serious injury problem until the end of the year with JPP. And then again in the Packer game, every corner on the roster went down. I was going to say the biggest injury of the year was DRC going down because as soon as he went out in that game, the, the game was over. Of course, and, that, and that's that's what I'm getting at with the uh, with the cornerback depth. It's it's really important that we have those three guys. It's it's um, a marked improvement that Eli Apple is much more confident, looks better in this system after a whole year. You know, he's not in training camp, kind of wide eyed, not sure what he's doing. He's comfortable and he's you know just getting better rather than trying to keep up. Do you see a, a potential for getting a veteran off the scrap heap at, during like a late cut in training camp? At corner? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Just some insur- some insurance. Sure. Like like they, that that fourth cornerback may not be on the roster right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We got Leon Hall pretty late last year. Sense of all we got last year. Speaking of uh, free agent acquisitions, so uh, at the safety position, we took an undrafted free agent from Clemson named Jadar Johnson. Um, I was not very high on him. Uh, because he's too big, in my opinion, to be a safety. I think he's something like 6'4", or something crazy. Those guys never really seem to work out at safety. Um, He unexpectedly retired on Sunday, so we had a free roster spot, which the Giants used to sign 35-or-so-year-old kicker Mike Nugent from Cincinnati. Um, Mike Nugent was a prolific kicker. I believe he was drafted in, like, the second round or something like that. Then again, that was the Jets, so... Very interesting. Uh, is it, now this, this is a move just to brought in just for competition. I'm thinking, not necessarily to start. <clears throat> is that what you're thinking? That was that was what I was going to ask you. I, I think that's to push. I don't think that's to compete. So you think the Giants are really trying to keep Aldrick Roses? That's going to be their guy. I think it is. I think you know, you've been hearing a lot from the team about him, and you know, like they've been pumping him up a little bit. So I, I really think this is something where he's just being brought in to kind of you know. Apply a little pressure, but I don't think there's any really serious thought of him. Otherwise, I think there's, there's also some guidance in there. I mean, this is a much older kicker. He's been around the block. He knows pressure. You know, I think he'll be able to help guide Alter Grossis. So, I mean, what we know about him is that he's never really played. So he's never been in the situation where there's three seconds left on the clock. The ball's being snapped at the 35, which means he's kicking from the 40, you know, and we're down by one or two. And a coach is going to freeze him and all that nonsense. Yeah, so. oh, absolutely, yeah. So he he can, and he he's also been in every stadium, so he probably knows all the crazy wind patterns that those guys talk about. I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean that that's something where you know, do we really think he's actually going to make the opening day roster? You know, uh, so. Me personally, no. I think he never would have yeah. been signed if it weren't for the surprise uh, retirement. Uh, okay, no, no, no. I'm not going to say never. I'll say until we saw some sort of hiccup from Altergrosis because so far we've heard only good things from the media who were skeptical right away and obviously from the coaches they were behind him um well you know if you, if you have an extra roster spot to, spot to play with right now yeah pick him up because you never know that first preseason game against the Steelers he might blow and it's just like you know 
it's you already have that backup plan in place. Yeah. You know, it's not a move we're going to make in week three, but you know, right now when you have the maximum roster size you can have and, and a spot opened up, it can't hurt. And it's important to note that the Bengals cut Mike Nugent because he missed six extra points last year. <laughs> that's, that's a glowing like, endorsement. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's not good at all. Now I remember everybody the the extra point is not the same as it was in two thousand. 15, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I believe his field goal percentage was still good. It was like in the upper 80s, but, you know, the the, the extra points, I, I, I don't care. It, it still should be almost a gimme, in my opinion. It should be. Um, but you have to go back and look and see each one. Was there bad weather? You know, what was the cause for it? Was there a penalty involved that pushed it back in their 10 yards? Who knows? Oh, yeah, of course. All those things. You know, that that doesn't show up on their stats, does it, for the extra point? Uh, how far the extra point is? Yeah, like if no. there's a penalty and it goes further back. I mean, it was probably no. never a stat because it was always from the two-yard line. But now that it's right. – what is it, the 20? And then it's being I kicked from the 25? Yeah, yeah, so it's a 35-yard kick. Yeah, so then if there's like yeah. some sort of holding or something, now you're looking at a much farther kick. Yeah, now you're talking about a legitimate field goal. So Yeah, sure. So the other thing I want to talk about is Darian Thompson. I know that – the Giants organization and then, you know, by transitive property of word of mouth, Giants fans were extremely excited about him very early last year. I know that in college he put up some – I think he holds the Boise State record for interceptions. Um, that that may not be right. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's like career or one season or whatever. But I know he put up some crazy numbers at Boise State. But there were a lot of questions about him in the NFL um, and that – when he came into camp, the Spags was all about him, said that he was very vocal and directing traffic, and the fans were really excited, and he started week one, and he looked pretty good. Let's not forget, and I've said this before in this podcast, let's not forget that it's been a very long time since this guy's played. Um, you have a guy who finished the season last year, Andrew Adams, who may not have been spectacular but was good. He probably knows the playbook just as well or maybe even a little bit better. Um, and you also have Nat Burhey, who's been in the system for a while. Um, and the only thing that's kept him out of it were things like concussions and, and injuries. But Nat Burhey was the first guy called up when Darian Thompson went down. Um, and just in practice, uh, I believe yesterday picked off a pass that was tipped. I mean, he, he's a guy who's always around the ball. So I think it's important for fans to temper their enthusiasm about Darian Thompson being healthy and give him some time to make a couple mistakes because he was not really around to make a bunch of rookie mistakes last year. And when you're playing in such a good secondary also, you have the ability to grow into the position a little more. Yeah. You know, they, they may, he might be someone they try to target a little bit more, but I think you have such a good supporting cast around you that makes that transition a lot easier too. So yeah, the coaches may see his athleticism as being an asset over say Andrew Adams or Nat Berhe, but maybe he's not, seeing everything the same way that those two guys are. But you've got corners like Janoris Jenkins, uh, Dominic rogers Camardi, Eli Apple. You've got um, Landon Collins back there. If if it takes him another, say, three weeks to really grow into the spot, know the system as well as Nat Berhey and Andrew Adams, and use his athleticism to its full extent, they're going to do that. They're going to play it safe. with this. They have such a good defense. They don't need an outstanding playmaker who might make a mistake weeks one, two, and three. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And who are we playing those first three weeks again? We're playing Dallas, which we don't think is the most prolific passing offense in the world. Yeah. 
we are playing Detroit. Well, they'll throw the ball around quite a bit. Absolutely. And then week three is Philly. Again, another team like Dallas, you're not going to see 70 passes and you know a thousand bombs a game either. Are you so. sure? I think I think Philly's going to throw the ball like crazy. Well, that'd be something considering how poorly they were last year. And what was there, what was uh, Wentz's completion comp- percentage on balls thrown over 10 yards? I, it was atrocious. Yeah, it was atrocious. But let's not forget that that's not entirely on Carson Wentz. It was a guy a first year in the offense, and there were no weapons on that Eagles offense. That's what they they spent their offseason getting guys for him to throw too. So it was not entirely on Carson Wentz. He was more than willing to throw the ball. Uh, I think a lot of the problem is they had no downfield threat whatsoever. Nelson Aguilar is becoming a bit of a disappointment. There's not really, there was nobody because, on that roster. I mean, uh, you know, becoming a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime you put on the, uh, anytime you put the bird on your head, you are a disappointment to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, it's a moral disappointment, but I uh, <laughs> listen to, a, listen to WIP for any amount of time. And you hear the, uh, the boo birds and that's no pun intended you know blasting him is being useless well let's be honest about philly fan i mean we i i'll be, you know i'll be completely honest about fans in general so we we were just talking about how we were at the draft party last year for the eli apple pick and how well i don't even think we went into it uh they weren't even booing they had no idea who he was and they were right. so they were like what? livid which is really interesting. That kind of shows you in the Northeast how limited people have a, you know, a knowledge of college football. I mean, we're talking about a guy from a program that won the national title, you know, is in the playoff, and like who, 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 you know, I a lot of guys up, you know, a lot of Giant fans, NFL fans in the Northeast, they just brush up on the draft real quick and learn about, you know, names. Yeah. But you know, this is a guy that was part of a, you know, a star-studded secondary. And yeah, I was. I preferred Vernon Hargraves because I not because I'd seen him more, but you know, I'm not. I didn't walk out of Giant Stadium being like, "Oh my God, we, we blew it, we blew it, we blew it." No, we walked out like, "Oh my God, shut up!" Yeah, <laughs> kind of like we're doing right now, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, you know, Giants fans may be a little bit too wrapped up in what the media says and not as much with the eye test, from what I've seen. Philly fans are ready to throw everybody under the bus. They're never happy. They're they are never, never happy. happy. Well, never. they've never won a Super Bowl. They have no reason to be happy. Well, in, even in any of their major sports, you know, they're just pissed off. You know, pissed off Flyer fans, pissed off Philly fans. They're just, you know, Villanova wins a national title. They found something to complain about, I'm sure. So, <laughs> The only other thing I really want to discuss from the first padded practice is that um, – Rhett Ellison is finally practicing. I know he didn't do anything all spring, so it's really important that uh, we got a good look at our our big name free agent signing, other than Brandon Marshall, I guess, right? Brandon Marshall is the name. Brandon Marshall is the, the big name, and he'll probably be the headline grabber because he's probably going to be open more, you know? Mm-hmm. But Rhett Ellison was the big, bigger money signing. He was a four-year deal worth several million very interesting signing too you know in retrospect you know once we drafted uh evan ingram you know yeah just like you know hmm that's that's a pretty big investment for for a i guess you can do a little more than just tight end duties though he's kind of like that split guy but right so so four years was a big was a big nut yes but from everything i've heard he's the the expectation is that he's going to be mr reliable for this team he's going to be the guy who's open in the flat on third and five he's going to be the guy who pushes the pile on third and two you know or, or you know gets the kickout block on third and two that's everything i've heard and, and you know we we've discussed you know the giants decided to roll the dice and keep the tackles um 
as is. Of course, we we also went through that this was not a big, you know, free agent left tackle market, and it was definitely not a big uh, draft class for left tackles. So they didn't really have much of a choice to roll the dice with them. But one of the other areas where we got no blocking was from the tight end position. So you know, it was it was some addition there rather than putting all the the eggs in the you know, mm-hmm. the left tackle. The blame track. game all to them. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, you're going to improve where you can improve. And Rhett Ellison has shown that he can block from what I've read from the padded practice today. Um, I'm going to be better at this going forward where I, I, I'd like to cite my sources since we're not the ones there. I don't I don't want to take other people's <laughs> observations. I feel like that's rude, you know, as, as somebody talking about this. But uh, I'll, I'll be better with that going forward, I promise. Well, as usual, it's a good thing nobody's listening at this point in the exactly. season. So we can, we can get away with it. Once we have our – Hundreds and thousands of listeners as we go on through the season, we will be much more uh, bibliographically correct. Yeah, wow, nice, well done. Um, yeah, so that that's all we've heard so far. Um, I'm excited. I'm I'm really amped. You know, watching watching little clips. Really, it's hard to imagine that it's already football season because it's so damn hot, and uh, you know we're not there. We're not really experiencing. But so watching those little clips really does. Get me, get me going, get ready, because it's only one week away. Next Friday, Giants and Steelers, correct? That is correct. I mean, if you really are jonesing hard, you know, the uh, the Hall of Fame game is this weekend. If you want to watch a little uh, Cowboy uh, Cardinal action, and if you're really a deranged person, you can watch the CFL this weekend, too, which I was in Toronto on Sunday, and it was on TV, and that's not good football. So the days of having to scrounge and watch CFL and arena football are just about done. Um, I'm excited to see Giants versus Steelers. I will be, you know, we'll we'll have another episode before then. Um, one week from now, we'll have another episode with uh, updates from training camp, injuries, who's shining, who's looking a little bit lackluster, um, and what we might expect going forward against the Steelers game. And then we'll have our recap of the Steelers game where we'll finally have something good to report to you, some real observations, things to get excited about, and things to, you know, grump about. Yeah, I, I think the way this is going to work out, you know, for the rest of the preseason, we'll probably do weekly shows on Mondays after each weekend of games. When we get into the regular season, we will do, you know, uh, Friday previews of the upcoming game and Monday recaps of the, of the previous games. So. Yes. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll be able to look ahead to the uh, to the upcoming game. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm I'm really excited. Ah, God, I can't wait. Easy there, Grump. No, no, no. <laughs> this is it. This is football season. I'm happy. He's a very happy guy. You know, he's less grumpy than normal. So. I'm, I've got nothing to complain about yet. We haven't lost. We're we're batting <laughs> a thousand here. All right, so that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, once again, find us on twitter uh i'm at football underscore grump you can follow mike on twitter as well you can follow me at the cranky fan uh follow the show at just giants pod and you can download the show on itunes when you do please leave a rating and a review five star only please and very favorable reviews save the crappy reviews for the eagles podcast yeah so <laughs> if, if you have something to tell us to improve upon, give us five stars and then tell us and we'll fix it. So it's a preemptive exactly. five star rating and we'll fix it. <laughs> All right, guys, look forward to talking to you next week. That's it for us. Go Giants. Go, go Giants.